Welcome to the Blabberbrain Show Christmas New Year's Extravaganza Blowout Special or something like that. I don't know. I'm just making this up. <laughs> this is the Blabberbrain Show Holiday Special. And we have with us a very special guest, Chip Demonic, talking about music and other things. And the big M&I, obviously, with our blabbering about who knows what, probably about Christmas and New Year's and everything else holiday this time of year. Anyways, you don't want to miss this episode because it's the last one of the year, folks. Let's do this. And yes, we are back. We didn't go away. <laughs> might, might have seemed like it, but welcome back to the Blabberbrain show. I am Michael M. Kadri and the uh, jolly old elf over there is the big M. What is happening? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is our, we're going to call this our uh, big holiday Christmas extravaganza blow up episode, or we'll have to try to truncate that and try to shorten it somehow. Uh, we'll just call it our Christmas holiday special, but we got to include New Year's in there because we're actually, even though we are recording this just before Christmas. You guys aren't going to see this until just after Christmas. So, but this is the holiday season for those of you celebrating all the other uh, holidays out there, whether legit or made up. <laughs> Salute <laughs> to all of you out there. Um, welcome. And uh, we're sorry for the, the big laps in shows. You know, I'm just never going to promise the same thing ever again. I, I promised the beginning of the year we were going to have more of these shows and they'd be better and stuff like that. But boy, man, this is my daughter, a senior this year, my other daughter in college. Um, it's just been nuts, busy, crazy. Um, you know, and we do this in our spare time. Maybe one day when we start getting paid for this stuff, we can <laughs> send us in more frequently. Hey, send us in a few dollars. <laughs> That's it. Hey, if you're looking to advertise on the show, we're, we're, we're taking, uh, you know, uh, your submissions, um, whether you want us to market specifically in your, in your market, in your area, here in the Pittsburgh area, you know, we can do all of that. So, um, we would definitely, uh, like to talk with you about, uh, advertising on this show. Um, uh, right now, uh, we do have an occasional advertiser, but most of what we do is, uh, we boast about things that we don't just blab about, uh, with, that's a nice segue into our blabber boast. So let's cue it up. Blabber boast. All right. I don't usually like to jump right into a blabber boast, but why not? You know, we got a special guest coming up uh, later on with Chip Demonic. Those of you in the Pittsburgh area uh, know exactly who this fella is. He's been around for a while and he's made a name for himself. And he's going to be very interesting to talk to because we're not just going to talk about uh, music, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Christmas time. We'll talk about uh, some of his other passions and stuff that he's involved with. But let's get right to the boast. I was going to talk about this beautiful little whiskey that you gave me, this tin cup whiskey, because I've never tried this before. I always wanted to try it. I had some the other night. Uh, it was really good, a lot better than I anticipated. As those of you who know me, I am a gentleman jack guy through and through. I'd like to try and sample other things here and there just to see what uh, what I'm into. And um, most of the time they, they fall short, but this is a pretty good whiskey. And uh, I even had it in some eggnog, mixed beautifully with eggnog. What do you, what do you know? Anyways, the main thing I want to boast about, um, I've tried to get my mitts on this for months and just nobody around has it. We've got a local distributor right by us that always has some off-brand beers. And it's something that's made by Voodoo Brewing, Brewing and they... Uh, 
and this distributor happens to carry stuff from Voodoo, so I assumed that they would eventually be getting it in. However, they did not. So I had to track some down, and I successfully did. This is the O oh Mama beer by Voodoo Brewing. As you can see, it has the Styx logo on there and Renegade on it. They actually partnered with Styx uh, to put this beer out. Now, why would a local brewery partner with Styx to do a tribute to Styx with Omama and Renegade? Well, it ties perfectly in with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Steelers have been known to uh, play Renegade at the stadium to pump people up at the right time. And most of the time it's been successful. Not every time, obviously, because they don't win every game, but a lot of times it's pretty successful of getting people pumped up. Um, forget about all of that and the pomp and circumstance of uh, trying to brand something that just is kind of cool because it's sticks related. Um, I was interested in trying it because it's a traditional American lager, golden lager. I usually like the darker stuff, kind of like the Yingling stuff going in the dark end. This is a very good beer. It's a great beer. I mean, local, yes. Uh, if you like the lagers, um, I would say this is definitely one for you to try. There's nothing funky tasting about it. It tastes like a national beer, in fact. So uh, kudos to Voodoo. Is that uh, Voodoo right there? As you can see, Voodoo Brewing Company. Um, kudos to Voodoo for brewing a great beer and for partnering with Sticks. I'm not sure how much of a hand the Steelers had in it, but, you know, cheers to the Steelers if you did and was able to get this out. But it's pretty darn good beer. Uh, it's it's a little hard to find, but I would say check Voodoo Brewing Company uh, for distribution in your area and find out the place that's closest to you that may have it or just call them up directly and they'll probably be able to guide you in the right direction. So cheers and uh, I'll popcorn it over there to the big M. You got anything to boast about? Yeah, here in a moment, you probably should take at least one of those cans and sort of how they do it. They put a little hole in the bottom to drain it, use it as a collectible someday. I used there to do that when I collected beer cans. I used to collect beer cans as a kid, and I used to do that all the time. So, but yeah, I do plan on doing that and, and preserving it with the tap still up, up, uh, intact. But go okay. ahead. I didn't mean oh. to cut you off. Oh, I'm sure everybody appreciated it. Bless I talk. Seems like there's more viewers. There was a couple <laughs> things I was thinking about. I actually bought a bottle of Jim Beam. They have a limited edition this uh, holiday season, Jim Beam. It's sort of like an Irish cream, and but it's obviously with their bourbon in it. So it's like, it's really good. It's in, I have been drinking it in coffee. It's in between like a Bailey's Irish cream and almost a touch of eggnog-ish flavor to it. It's actually really good. But what I'm talking about, I actually just got this thing a, a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's a new model. It just came out back in November by Martin Guitar. It's actually for traveling. I'm thinking about taking it down to Florida with me in February. Yeah. And it's oh, all. Oh, who are you going to Florida with? I don't know. I was just going to figure I'd stand out on a street corner and see if anybody's willing to hang out with me for five you should, days. You should have invited me, <laughs> as always. Yes. Of course, we're both going down there. Of course. But, it, but this thing is, um, they've been a little X series guitar. It's a, it's a, it's a miniature guitar. It's only about maybe three quarters of size, shorter neck. So it's not real loud. It's made out of. Uh, high performance uh, laminate, so it's basically countertop, but they have the wood grain in it, make it look like it's um, Madagascar wood. Um, and it's great for traveling. You could sit on the couch, you could go outside with it. Doesn't have the big booming sound that you would expect, but it's great for what its purpose is. 
fact, probably could even should have used should have worked on doing a Christmas song for us to introduce that. Or let's see. Well, go ahead, do a little ditty. Oh, let me think. Okay, those are the chords. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Blabber Brains is coming to town. Blabber Brains is coming to town. Blabber Brains is coming to town. Yeah, baby. Or I even think I even have a good idea that you could start using for an intro for for every show. And once I say the word blabber brains in, I'll keep playing and you could start saying who the guests are. Like, let me think. Yes, she likes. Yes, she likes. (laughs) Yes, she likes. Yes, she likes. Yes, she likes. Blabber. Blabber. Ah, All right, well, you have to work on that a little bit more. I'd be playing that, and you'd be talking over that. Oh, God, that was awful. Maybe you better edit edit that thing out. Martin Sells are going to go down (laughs) in January. (laughs) Well, no, we don't edit this show, okay? We want to give people the the raw deal. Just uh, That's raw, right? That's raw. So (laughs) we don't get any more raw than that. So now that we're done uh, uh, boasting... Let's uh, let's just kill this segment and move on. Level boost. All right. Well, um, yeah. And speaking of of Christmas songs, um, we're we're not going to debut it here, uh, but uh, we won't we'll announce it here because by the time this comes on, you will have already seen the brand new Big M Mark Anthony Christmas song. Uh, do you want to talk just a second about that and um, not, don't, without giving anything away, just uh, tease it up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, it was a nightmare. We were kind of behind with everything, bad studio situation. But in fact, the guest who's coming on in a while really helped me to get this uh, song to the quality that we could put it out on a as a single in a video. It's, sim- it's, it's a song that I wrote uh, actually just a few weeks back. So I guess everybody, it's almost like everybody that I come across, even on social media, people's posts, everybody's always, I wish, you know, I'm missing my father, I'm missing my brother, missing my whoever aunt, or maybe multiple people, and Christmas just doesn't feel the same. And it's as me, basically, I feel the same way. And this song touches on whether you're missing somebody for the holidays, if you could just have them for one more Christmas. And even if it's maybe even an, like with me, an unresolved ish situation with the family member, hoping that maybe if they came back one more day, then maybe you could have, you could hear what you want to hear. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, yeah, it is deep. And I think that uh, there's a lot of people that would appreciate that and uh, that it would touch their hearts. Um, might make them cry, uh, but that's good because that's drawing up memories. We we hope that in amongst uh, nobody has purely nothing but great memories, right? Of anything, um, you know, other than you know, if you're just thinking about, I don't know, the Brady Bunch or something like that, maybe. But um, you you're going to have uh, your mixed emotions. But the fact that if you have emotions at all, it means that you were deeply connected with the person that that passed in your life. So um, I think it's it's overall a positive thing. And we, um, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, it might have also been a little bit 
therapeutic for you to to write and, and play in some ways? Yeah, I had to definitely think about things differently. Um, I mean, it is a song, so I have to write it as a as a song, and it probably you know a lot of it's true. There's a few things maybe I've changed a little bit, but yeah, I did. I ended up going to my father's grave, and um, I haven't been there. In, couple decades and, uh, and he passed away when you were like seven right when you were yeah, young, when i was seven and, years old and yeah there's you you touch base on something interesting in the song uh and like i said i'm not going to give anything away but the as a seven-year-old your experience with um a parent is totally different than it is as you're an adult right like uh, mine was definitely a completely different situation. I almost like had no relationship with my father when we were kids, right? It wasn't until I became an adult that we had a better relationship and stuff. And um, so I think that when you come at things from a perspective of what would it be like if you were to see and talk to him now, if he were to come home for Christmas, um, you know, as an adult and you're speaking to him an adult, 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 obviously, you know, your, your father um, would have known you know, he's going to be the same person. He's going to know what may be the good things and the bad things he put you through as a kid that you might not not uh, have noticed or the, the you know, any issues, um, you know, within the family um, that he carries with him. Obviously, in my beliefs, he's not holding on to those. Right. That's that's not even a an, that's not even a, a, a daily thought for him right now but um to come home let's say that that you get your wish and and you're able to see your your grandparents or your father you know and and you know yeah it would be interesting to hear you know as they've watched over you through the years how they you know feel about you how you know you, you want to play the what if scenario right dad you know dad like what if you didn't pass away. Do you think things would have been great? How do you think what things would have go? Would we be best friends now? Whatever. Because especially at a young age, I can't imagine that. I mean, I had my dad in my life. Um, even when I was a kid, he, even if he wasn't there all the time, I have him now and we have a very good relationship now, but if I would have lost that, you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know. I would have been playing the what if I, scenario the rest of my life. Like what if, this it didn't stay like this what if we were friends later in life and stuff you know it's got to be hard well i think it's actually harder as you as you get older right my grandfather was like my dad treated me better than a lot of dads treat their own dads and had that special relationship with him and my grandmother and i think it's worse as you as you as you get older because that relationship has gone on longer you go through everything from whether you know you can't stand your parents as teenagers when you're trying to have your own freedoms and stuff like that and getting to a point now where you where the two of you are actually really close and i mean my grandfather passed away when i was i think it was 19 and never had that chance as he was a musician and you know, I was a teenager. I was playing, went to play Van Halen and hard rock and stuff like that. And, he, <laughs> and here's a guy playing country and bluegrass and stuff like that. And the funny thing is now here I am as an adult and I'm probably playing the type, you know, he would watch me right. play with you know, my hands doing this and go, what is going on here? I don't know what's going on. And he probably, it probably would have been really 
that'd have been really cool probably now because he said, oh, sooner or later, you're going to get away from doing this, and he'd always say, right. and you're going to end up doing something that's a, that someday in your life that's going to be different. But I would have loved to have the chance to be 21 years old, and hit him and his buddy would play in some of these small little and they called them beer gardens there from the old days, you know, a beer gardens and play that had been cool to have been able to, you know, at that point, you know, I'd, I'd want to go out there and play with him. And it would have been cool to be able to, you know, have a beer or two with him, or he liked to drink a little bit of sherry, have a glass of sherry with him and actually be in, you know, in my early twenties to actually go and say, okay, grandpa, what do you want me to play? You know, and actually sit, go out there and, and play with him would have been, would have been really cool. I didn't realize it back then, but you know, as I got older, I was like, damn, that would have been, uh, that would be, that would have been really cool or have him see yeah, me actually do some of the things that I did, you know, playing out and doing things like that. It would have been great. Yeah. I guess that's one um, saving uh, grace is that, um, and it's it's a bummer and it's also a, a, a blessing at the same time that I, I didn't have those type of um, personal connections with either. My grandparents died when I was very young and they were young. They were in my, in my um, I never knew my, my father's parents. My my real grandfather passed away when my dad was three and uh, I didn't really know my step grandfather or even my grandmother that much. I only met him a couple of times when I was wee little because they lived in Minnesota and we just never visited them. My mother's uh, parents died when they were in their late fifties, you know, and I was like only like 10, 12 years old. Um, so I never really got to have that like personal connection for something that like music, like you're saying, like you had that connection with your, your grandfather with music and stuff. Um, even with that, but, you know, so, you know, my mother loved to play piano in the house growing up and she was very musically inclined. Um, my father, not so much, uh, he, but he does, does love his Okie from Muskogee. <laughs> and <laughs> I haven't heard, him, haven't heard that one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so yeah, it's, it, you know, you grow up and as an adult, you find different things to become, you know, uh, associated with your parents and, um, to have that bond or whatever. So, but anyways, that brings it around like back to, to Christmas time, um, you know, as you get older, um, and, and especially with me, I don't have a very big family. And but you know, my I yeah, I buy six, I buy, right. I buy six, seven people. And right, that's exactly. Pretty much it. So, um, but and only a, and and half of them are here local, and uh, you know the others are, are in Georgia and Florida. So we we don't always get together for the holidays. We were uh, crap. Time flies so fast. Was that last year or the year before? <laughs> that we were all together for the, for the holidays. Anyways, we were just together for my nephew's wedding, uh, which made it nice. But um, yeah, the, the, the holidays are, are just odd, especially these last few years with COVID and stuff like that. And my, my mother-in-law is not doing really good health-wise. Um, I mean, it's her 80th birthday today. Um, so cheers to you, Audrey. Happy birthday. And um, so, you know, you just miss those times that we used to gather as, as family. And because you, you don't know, you know, how many more years you have left with, with certain people. And, you know, um, and so you want to make the most of, of the, I don't know why holidays has to be a, a, an emphasis on things, right? It's just uh, the, Christmas time has a certain feeling about it that like you just want to be with family. Right. And um, I don't know what it is. 
But um, so when we were all together uh, on Christmas, it, it felt great, you know. Um, it, so this year, it, it, we're I'm obviously not going to be with with the whole entire family. We'll have you know be around some of my family, and um, you know we'll make the most of that. But um, you know, I, I just think that uh, when you're missing those people at Christmas, and I think some people because of COVID, unfortunately, are probably missing some of their family members this Christmas, and this will be the first Christmas without those certain people. Um, you're going to touch a lot of heartstrings with this song, I think, with some people. So, um, oh, there's there's no doubt. I've only let a few people listen to it so far, and right. they ended up crying. In fact, uh, our guest told me the same thing when he heard it. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to put out the video later on today. Well, this is already be out, but, you know, day before Christmas Eve and really get it out there for everybody listening to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after Christmas. And you just see if you're on social media and you're not 15 years old, you just see so many posts from people that you're connected with or in groups that you belong to that are just saying, you know, um, like I could just I'm on I'm in some large group that I think has 100,000 people. Somebody connect me into eight o'clock shot and it's all about people it's mostly funny but some people get serious on there about have a shot for this there are just so many people it's have a shot for my you know dad he passed away five years today and i'm really missing him at christmas or unfortunately there's some people just like my mom's boyfriend it sounds funny boyfriend they've been together for 25 years who's right his sister who's 60 years old in fact right now they're they're at the you know the funeral services last night and today you know i mean this is they're probably right now at, uh, at the, I guess it would be the wake. And um, so you, so there's just a lot of people who, when you get to be an adult, that somebody, somebody's not around anymore. You know, right. yeah. like, I was fortunate in my case, like you, like my dad's family. I, I mean, I have a cousin and an uncle still, and I'm not super close to them, but my grandparents were my mom's grandparents. Yeah, I mean, her parents, actually my grandfather was her stepfather. That was years before I was born. But I had the opportunity because my grandmother, you know, she got married and started having kids, you know, years ago. She was like 16, 17 years old. So my grandparents, when I was a baby, they're in their 40s. So when I was right. a teenager, my grandfather was still as a grandfather. He's out there, you know throwing a football around with us and right. still doing a lot of things that, you know, you know, somebody in their seventies may not be able to do, you right. know, and he was in really, they were in very good shape for their age. I mean, my grandfather died of cancer, but still that they were just, you know, I had that thing where they could still, I could wrestle with my grandfather as a kid and all that stuff because, you know, they were younger than most people's you know, people's grandparents. Yeah, both my parents were, were grandparents uh, in their 40s, you know, because my brother and my sister and stuff uh, starting their family young. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is kind of weird because like, you know, when I, I have kids the age that I do, you know, 20 and 18, I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh, I got, I'm almost two kids in college. I don't feel old enough to have two kids in college. And I'm like, well, I have other people I graduate with. They're already grandparents already. My, my, both, my par <laughs> both, my both my parents were grandparents years before now. And I'm just thinking, uh, I guess it just, it's a weird feeling. Like when you, when you, you know, you have kids later in life instead of younger in life, you know, you know, we talked about this before. I, I, I still like mentally I'm 35 or whatever, or, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm still 
30, as long as I don't stand up, you know, I mean, I feel, <laughs> I still feel the same age. So uh, it's just a weird thing. And, um, to, because that time just goes so fast. So it doesn't matter when you start, you know what I mean? When they to go from zero to 20, it just happens in the blink of an eye. It just goes way too fast. So, um, well, what are you going to do about that? So I, 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 before we uh, get on with uh, with our guest Chip Demonic, um, I, I did, and then just my brain was only going like a different direction, uh, completely different direction because of what we're talking about with Christmas and stuff like that. But I, I just, you know, we don't like to get political on this show, but I have a, I, I have a question because this has been on my mind because I don't like it's one of those things where there's probably no answer to, or there probably is an answer and we'll never know. But like I, I hear that like Biden just made a speech the other day and said that you're better off now than you were when he took office. And I'm thinking there, there's not a person on this earth that, that thinks that, especially when you look at the gas prices and the rising. Actually, I'm one of those people that are better off, but it, really? I don't think it's Biden. It's not so much because of him. I mean, yeah, things are up, but my 401k is, is way up above what I've invested in. But I don't have kids. I'm a right, one person thing. So that that stuff does. And I work from home. So those things don't affect me like they do the average. No, but still, when you got, you're going to the grocery store and prices are up there. You're going and filling your, your car up with gas. Well, you don't drive as much as I do. So I'm uh, making more I'm making more money at work now. Oil and gas, which is a chunk of what our business with SAP and stuff is. And it's 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 not it's it's work what works for you for a married person with a family generally does not benefit me much so it's probably going to be the other way around am i out there celebrating and jumping around or things no it's not that okay well that's let's uh, that's i guess um the the my question is not based on uh, a, a personal connection i'm going off of based off of um, you know, the, the bulk of the United States, right? There's a lot of families. There's a lot of people out of work. There's a lot of people making less money this year. It's cause it's weird. Cause like I got a, I got a small raise and the raise didn't even compensate for the inflation that's going up. So I'm actually making less money this year than I was last year when you take in, in the account in, in inflation. So, and you know, another dollar going in college gas, like I said, I do a lot of driving, especially back and forth to Penn state now, because my daughter, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the the pain all around me with 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 stuff like this. But my question is, when a, a, a president, I don't care who he is, right or left, makes a statement like that that is devoid from reality. It's just removed from reality. The bulk of people in this country are not doing better now than they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, is in your opinion? Because like I said, we don't have the answers to this. Do you think that that's just that he's trying to lie to the people to try to boost spirits. Do you think that he's misinformed? Maybe because he's only as informed as the people that tell him what's going on. And as the people around him, not giving him the real information so that he Uh, doesn't know what's going on. I mean, I think it's a combat. I think it's a combination of, of both. I mean, look, he's a politician. So there's going to be some there. And the same thing, just what happened with the last administration and some things there's, I think no matter what you do in today's world, there's going to be 40% of the, at least 40% of the country that's going to buy into it, even if it's complete BS. And even if they think at first it's BS, they'll find a way and an angle to buy in, to buy into it. I think it, 
I think it's I think it's a little bit of I think it's a little bit of each and it's kind of hard to it's just like you know when a lot of families and businesses did great from the tax cuts that started up a few years ago it it hurt me you know so I think but that's but if you're a single per it's like what most things that go on in government and taxes and things like that if you're a single person with no dependents and you make a little and you make I don't I'm not wealthy by any means but for a single person I definitely am my income is a little above above average is you know probably I wouldn't say upper middle class because that'd be BS even though I have a wall of guitars and amplifiers but I think that um things just we get with people who are single that don't have a have dependents that make a decent income better than average income they get screwed no matter what by but either either one person one party will hurt you and then the other party just doesn't ever benefit you and it seems to take turns back and well we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more with chip about this too because i think the other side of this is is, is COVID. you know we had a, a guy coming into office saying he was going to you know, he's not going to shut the economy down. He's going to shut down COVID. And he did just the opposite, you know. But I don't think, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that's got a lot, not everything, but I think there's a lot of stuff that would be bad right now, regardless oh, of me, yeah, who, but, who's going to be there. But that's there's my something. point. I don't, that's why I said before, I don't care if this is a Republican or Democrat president in office. If you're making a statement like that, when COVID is, is has not gotten, well, I mean, it's it's not gotten better to the point where the, there keeps being these variants and and the scientists knew there was a variance, but then you have I'm not going to go off in a skew, but you got like people like Kamala Harris saying that we didn't know this was coming, and then Fauci says, of course we knew it was coming, we talked about it, whatever. But the, yeah, we but got they, a couple years of, of torture left. But, but the problem is, it's still a problem out there, and it's something we'll probably have to deal with for the rest of our life. But it's it didn't get eradicated, so the people are not doing better with COVID. They're not. Um, other than the, the therapeutics that are out there have, have been advanced, which is a good thing. We got home test kits now, which, you know. Wait until a year from now, with tech, you know, when there's an opportunity to earn a lot of, learn, earn an awful lot of money, which there is right now, if you could come up with something, I think that you're going to see all kind of breakthroughs in the later part of this upcoming year. Here's my prediction. And if I'm in, if I'm correct about it, all of you out there vote for me for president the next time around <laughs> only lost by 75 million votes or something like that it was this uh, much just the, so i'm gonna say, i'm gonna say probably mid late 2024 is where where things are gonna be <laughs> but that's that's my thing i think we got another i think we got another two two and a half years and i think that at that point there's going to be something out there that the biggest problem is is you know there are the poor nations out there where they can't control anything when you can't even get a glass of water that doesn't have a bunch of parasites in it. True. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get into a little bit of that with, with Chip and see how much he wants to talk about. So let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we will be back with our very special guest, the very local and the very uh, uh, in unique. We'll call him unique. He's a very unique individual in a great way. The uh, Chip Demonic. We'll be back in a second. Blackberries. Welcome back to Blabber Brains Show. We have our Christmas, holiday, New Year's extravaganza blowout special 
I don't know. We can we either put more words into there or take less out. Whatever. Holiday show. Holiday show. Okay. <laughs> I guess that covers it all, right? Anyways, we have our very special guest with us, Chip Demonic from the Pittsburgh area. Welcome, Chip. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. All right. Well, so um, you know, obviously, Chip, you're you're you've been around and uh, in the Pittsburgh area playing in the music uh, industry. And, and uh, so a lot of people know your name, even if they don't know you by your music, I'm sure they've heard your name somewhere along the way. Um, Cause you've, you've been out in public. I don't know how many years you've been, have you been playing in the Pittsburgh circuit area? Well, pretty much the time frame that I consider uh, like the start of this, continuous run that I've been on is 2005. Okay. Uh, the first Chip Demonic album came out that year. And, um, you know, it, it, with a small exception, um, when my when my parents were ill, uh, I've been going pretty much constantly ever since. So that's, that's what I uh, consider the run to be that we're on now, 2005 to present. Right, well, that's you know better than fifteen years. That's a that's a pretty good run so far. You know, you got to keep that going. So um, let's talk about um, you know you getting into that position there. Like uh, you, like most of us who are just growing up, you you loved music, you played music, you aspired to be in a band or a musician. Um, you know, you know maybe some teenage bands that you had together, garage bands, as we all had to uh, get together. One, can you run us through the pro progression to get us to two thousand and five? Sure. I mean, you know, as a, a kind of a typical teenage musician, I had several bands uh, growing up and in my teenage years, and in, then once you turn twenty one, you get into the bars and things things like that. And I, I think what is uh, pretty um, typical is you, you know, you meet your soulmate and then music kind of takes a back seat. Yep. Um, Everything I'm, still takes waiting, a back seat. I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they keep squeezing the music out of your life. I, then, I, hey, I was, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna get one of those mail order brides, but I'm too cheap to pay for the postage. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I got married, had a, had a couple kids and then, you know, I started, um, missing, uh, missing playing music, um, and wanted to kind of get back into that, um, you know, part of my, my personality, my interests and so forth. And I had been jamming with a couple of friends, um, who'd gone, gone on to different things. Uh, Eric from who's now in Royal Honey and, uh, Gary, who's now in the claws in Los Angeles. So we just got together in, you know, in, in Gary's basement and played some Butch Walker covers and, and, uh, marvelous three covers and wild arts covers. And then, um, you know, that really stoked my interest in writing music again. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I think, uh, recorded the first, uh, Chip Demonic album on a $1,000 budget to get it out there. And, um, just thought it'd be cool to, to kind of put it out, not really having much direction or anything. Um, just wanted to put it out there. I, I did have two, two goals in the back of my mind at that time. One was to, uh, open for a national act and the other was to win a battle of the bands, which I've still never uh, have done. But you know, I, I typically really don't, have don't, those don't anymore, enter those now. But uh, those, those, those were the two things that I, I thought I, would be. I, I never nice see to them do. out there. I never see them out there. God, I remember. I remember doing that stuff done at the graffiti. They're always some sort of rig thing. I remember 
playing one and uh they years you know when i was i think 20 i was 20 and i had that's when i had the mark anthony band that's dating going back in time and i remember before everything started one of the inner whoever it is one of the sponsors were some booking agency it was one of his personal bands so you knew what ended up happening in the long run and they were terrible and what ended up happening with us is all at the end they came in first place and then we came in after them and everybody started booing and stuff because these guys were jumping they were like i don't like really bad punk band terrible and their fight started breaking out <laughs> and that's why after that time that's why they never announced the winners until the next day on the radio because <laughs> they used to announce them that that they used to do them at most at least at the graffiti it was always at the you know when you'd go from round one round two whatever and they would always announce whoever it was the winner was that night and a fight broke out and because people were pissed and right. we had a couple guys that were kind of thing and that was it they ended and then it started being there announcing it on the rake like i think it was on dv the next you know that would be the next next morning or something like that now, I, I know you said that uh you know you got to open up for a national act and i'm i'm trying to you know my memory is usually pretty decent but this was a, a while ago i want to think 2012 20 about 10 9 10 years ago uh, maybe around 2012, 2013 or so, um, I saw uh, Fuel at um, uh, down at the Altar Bar. Did you guys open up for them? I, I can't remember if it, back then or not. If it, I know I saw you open up for an act um, it, around that era, but I cannot remember which band I saw. So what, yeah. what, what, it wasn't Fuel, but okay. we we did uh, open many national shows at altar bar okay that's probably, that's probably one of those shows that i saw you at uh -huh. so um what, what what was your most memorable one that you had as far as like you know getting to meet somebody or getting to open for them like you're i can i know a lot of bands are like that like if they play up at jurgles in front of uh a national act that comes in there they're like oh i love this is my favorite band of all time and we get to open up for them and stuff like that what's one of your best memories oh man there there's so many uh most of them good some of them bad you know one of one of the coolest things though was um, opening for Nita Strauss, which right. we did both in 2019 and uh, 2021. And, um, you know, especially the first time because she got up on stage and said, oh, did you guys see Chip and the Charge Up starting the show? They played that Green, Green Day Poison mashup. That was the most creative <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. And like, we were just blown away like we didn't expect that to happen and for ha to have a sold out show the headliner come out and give you that kind of praise especially since she's such an amazing musician right that was it, that that has to stand out as as definitely one of the highlights of opening a, a national show because um so many times you know the nationals um, they're not even in the venue when you play, let alone willing to acknowledge you. Um, so that was really, really cool of her and uh, really made our night. Well, that, I mean, it, there's, there's kind of a tie in a little bit there, you know, because she, she plays with, with Alice Cooper and, you know, Alice is very obviously theatrical and flamboyant. And I, I think that that's one of the things that people kind of uh, the impression they get when they see, you know, you play is there's, theatrics involved and it's very i don't 
maybe flamboyant's not the right word to think, but it's it's very theatrical and it's very it's fun. You know what I mean? And um, so I think that's that there's a little tie in there between, you know, what Alice tries to do from a show perspective to not just get out there and just jam your four chords and get off the stage and you're done like so many other bands do. Right. They just there, how many bands, especially local bands, just do not want to put their own signature on something to say, you know what? Yeah. We're not doing this just to make money. We're not doing this just because I know how to how to play guitar, or play the drums. We're doing this because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Because we, this is what we want to do to have fun. And, um, you know, what, like, is that even on your mindset or you're just like, well, this is just who I am. Or, or you're no, like, I mean, the, the, well, it's kind of both really. I mean, it's, it's, it's who I am. Just, um, you know, I, I just, when I play, I have fun and I want everyone to have fun with me, but you know, the fun is the word. Uh, a show to us is successful when people come up to us and say that was fun. We, you know, that that's the most important thing. I mean, it's nice, certainly if people say, Oh, you guys sounded good, or it's nice to say you, you played really well right. or you're talented, you know, that that's all about us. And we want it. We want our shows to be about the audience. And when someone says I had fun, that's like mission accomplished for us. You know, people have so many different options of what to do, you know, whether it's going places or, you know, staying home and looking at their, their phones or watching TV or whatever, so many options. And if they choose to come to a chip in the charge up show, we want that to be fun because if they have fun, then it was worth doing our coming to our show rather than doing any of those other things. So that's, that's so rewarding if someone could say that was fun. And as far as what we put into the show beyond playing it from the outfits to the branding, to the choreography, to whatever, you know, that's all part of it because you know, it's music, music itself is fun, but if you can embellish that with some visuals or, or crowd participation or other things that just amps up the fun factor, which is what we aim for. Yeah. I think you're, you're touching base on a few things there that are important um, because there's a big difference between the band or the front man having fun and the band and the audience both having fun. Um, I've seen a lot of bands where, boy, that, that singer was having a ball when he was up on stage, but it just was not translating back into the audience. You know, it just whether because of the sound or whatever, maybe they were too drunk or whatever, or you think about... You know, I hate this is a really bad example, but Diamond Dave, you know what I mean? Back in the heyday, he was all about getting everybody, you know, it wasn't about watching Van Halen party. It was about making everybody that was there party with them. But later in life, you could tell he was still partying, but nobody wanted to party with him. (laughs) Having a flat beer. He was having a he was having a ball, but I was like, oh Dave, enough. Okay. But um, so that's um I think some of the things you touched about on like uh, audience participation, you know, it's 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 about the whole package that gets the audience to say not only were we having fun but we can tell you were having fun too so that makes it seem like it was just a big group effort right mm-hmm. um it's a lot of fun so let me let's talk about uh your your daughter uh for a little bit um now uh, well first of all you said do you have two kids uh um, yep. you have uh and what, what are their ages you have a uh, two girls a boy and a girl uh, I have a, a, a girl and a boy. Um, Melina is 19 and my son is 18. Okay. 
Um, I don't know much about your your son, but I know that your daughter has uh, been prom- like trying to make a name for herself locally too in music. And um, so I want to talk about that. Uh, but I also want to tie that into um, something I recall from Christmas from a few years ago. You guys doing uh, the Christmas parade together for mm-hmm. for Pittsburgh, and you ended up on I think it was WPXI is the one that broadcast that. So um, I'm I'm guessing that might not be the first time that you performed with your daughter. But let, one of us. Uh, talk about how, like, how much of an influence you were on her, how proud you are of her, what she's doing, and uh, where she's taking her career and, you know, the times you guys get to collaborate. So how, like, when did she start getting involved in in music? Oh, man, in terms of music in general, um, you know, her talent started becoming apparent, I think, as early as, I think it was fourth grade. Um, Her music class in school had... um, the recorders, the instrument, the right. recorders, the hot that are cross like, bun things. Exactly. <laughs> I had one sitting around here. I was using it all. <laughs> so you know, the they the teacher had various assignments for them to do in contests, whatever. And when it, whenever they reached a certain level of achievement, they got a piece of yarn uh, to tie on the end, different color piece of yarn. And they, I forget what they had, eight levels, 10 levels or whatever. And they called them belts, kind of like, you know, green belt, black belt and karate and so forth. And she was so advanced at that. The teacher had to get new color yarn because she kept, (laughs) she was just blowing through all these assignments and just show, just blew by the rest of her class and showed so much musical talent. So very early on and that same teacher then recommended that uh, she auditioned for what was then known as the Children's Festival Chorus, which is kind of like a prestigious uh, choral organization uh, in Pittsburgh for for uh, for youth. And uh, she made it into that. And, um, you know, ever since then, she did a lot with singing. Uh, We got her first bass. I think she was maybe around 11 um, and, you know, she played viola in school and, you know, she just picks up instruments and is able to do incredibly well at them. So, uh, you know, her, her development has been great. And then in terms of uh, her joining the band, it was actually not something that we even intended. Um, when I was forming Chip and the Charge Ups back in 2018, Um, you know, I found a drummer, I found a guitar player and we were looking for that last piece, a bass player. And, um, we'd have bass players set up to audition. And what usually happened was the bass player came and was unprepared and kind of bombed the audition, making it very, very short, or they just didn't show up at all. Mm. And I remember, um, texting one of them and saying, Hey, you know, we're waiting for you. Are you coming? And he's like, Oh, I didn't realize it was Tuesday. And it was like, <laughs> hey, we, we don't have to worry about rescheduling this. It's, it's okay. Really? Um, so, it, you know, after, after every time, um, Wait, it was, was, that, like, was that he didn't realize the audition was Tuesday or he didn't realize the day was Tuesday? He knew the audition was Tuesday, but re- didn't realize the day was Tuesday. Okay, okay, so sorry, was like, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So anyway, after every time we had a failed audition, we'd say to Melina, hey, you know, bass player's gone or a bass player didn't show up. You want to sit in with us? So she would learn a song at a time and sit in with us and did pretty well. And then 
we thought we would find a bass player in time for the first gig that we had scheduled. Um, but we didn't, we kept auditioning or I should say scheduling audition after audition, audition, none of them would work out. Melina would sit, sit in with us. And by the time we got close to the gig, she knew our entire set. So we're like, Melina, you want to play this, (laughs) our first gig with us? And she did. And she nailed it. Wow. Um, so after that, it was like, you know what, um, you want to be a part of the band because you are, you know, you did amazing. And so she joined the band and has been um, shoulder to shoulder with me uh, ever since. Had to be a, a real proud father moment, you know, whenever those two worlds collide, you know, of seeing, you know, just seeing that your daughter has that talent in her. And maybe at the time you're like, okay, wait, maybe she'll follow in my footsteps to next thing you know, you guys are playing together and mm-hmm. you're probably like, whoa, this is, uh, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit more uh, impressionable on the parent than on the child, but uh, hopefully she feels it's just as cool as as you, you know? Yeah, I ho- hope so. And, you know, e- even if... Uh, even if she doesn't, we're definitely making a lot of memories uh, together to, you know, to, to look back on uh, at a later time. So. I have a so, question for you, Chip. Uh, just, yeah. I was, I've always thought about it. now, like Mike and I have known each other since we were, I think, 20 or 21. We played in a couple of bands together and there's times where we've never gotten any real fights about things. But sometimes you get into an argument about a song or a change or an idea. How does that work? If it's your daughter coming to you and that sucks, you know, or that we need to change that and you feel differently. How does that dynamic work? Does it change when it, when it, when it's a band setting versus being at home? Cause you can't sit and say, you know, say two years ago when you, when you guys started playing together and she's like, I don't like that change at all. You can't say, well, when we go, when we're done practicing, you're going to your room for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it just makes me wonder how, how that dynamic changes from being at home to actually, you know, being on stage. Well, fortunately, knock on wood, um, we really have uh, a an excellent um you know, just general relationship outside of the band. We get along very well. Um, And she's all, you know, growing up and everything, she's always been a a super good kid. So um, that was kind of like the one thing I worried about when in, you know, when I was looking for bass players um, and then the thought of her joining the band, like, you know, I got to be a dad and how am I going to be a dad if I'm, a dad to a bandmate. Um, but we, we, fortunately it's been very smooth. And in terms of her feedback, I value it tremendously because I, I feel like the younger you are, the more in tune with music and current music you are. So if she says she, you know, something doesn't sound good or, or, um, you know, or, or could be done better, I'm very inclined to listen to her because she has the ears of the youth. Right. And, um, you know, in terms of that, I would, I, I would almost always defer to the ears of the youth because, you know, they, you know, they know what's going on today in music, what's cutting edge uh, bands and songs and artists that, uh, you know, maybe some of us who are a few years older haven't even heard of yet. Um, but are breaking new ground. So uh, a lot of times I, I just respect her opinion m- even more than my own when it comes to musical things. Wow, that's great. 
So how, I mean, so how did you guys get approached to do the, the, the Christmas parade uh, a few years ago? Um, Cause like I said, that, that, ha- that was a different dynamic also because it's not like your normal setting for your band and you're playing with your daughter and it's on, it's being televised. So, you know, that at least the, the, the general area is, is tuned in. So you got a pretty big viewing audience. How did that come about? Well, um, in early November, 2019, uh, we put out a song and video, uh, for our, for our song, black and gold Christmas, which is a tribute to holidays in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, uh, what type of reaction to expect from that. I mean, you know, the, in terms of growing a fan base, in terms of, uh, getting media attention like that, uh, it's it's always been a struggle. So maybe my expectations were low. But when that video came out, um, it went kind of regionally viral really quick. I remember releasing it. And then in the first hour, it had like 250 video views. And it was right. like six in the morning. And I'm like, that's <laughs> That seems a bit high for this time of the morning for as soon as something's released. And then there was 250 more views in the second hour and then it snowballed. And before you know it, we had a hundred thousand views on the video and um, you know, so many of the things that I have accomplished musically for my, for myself, for my bands that, and that we've accomplished together has been the result of knocking on doors, you know, generally speaking, the radio won't go out and discover you and ask to play you. You have to be sending material and following up and trying to make connections and networking and, you know, such a struggle to get someone to give your music a chance. The, The one of the few exceptions to that was the holiday parade when out of the blue, uh, a representative from WPXI, um, saw the video among the, the hundred thousand views that it got so quickly and said, Hey, we saw this video. It's great. Would you like to be in the, in the WPXI holiday parade? We're like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that was, you know, that was one of the rare instances where something good happened without trying to kick a door down. And I'm very, very thankful that, that that happened, especially because last year the um, the parade got canceled due to the pandemic. And this year, I think due to business reasons or, or funding or whatever, uh, they discontinued the WPXI discontinued the parade completely. So that was actually the last uh, Pittsburgh holiday parade. Uh, mm, so it was such an honor nice, to participate yeah. in it. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it, that was another phenomenal memory and something that I'll, they'll all tra- always treasure. Yeah. You got it in under the wire, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hey, I'm going to take a, a, a real major turn there down at, uh, you know, bomb Boulevard there. I'm going to, you know, hang a right. And, uh, we talk about something else that's uh, been kind of a passion of yours uh, this past year or two. Um, and that's you do, uh, Mark kind of made this known to me, where you like to kind of dive into the data of COVID. And uh, I, the reason that fascinates me, because that's like, that's I, I like I've been doing the same thing, right? And it's so hard to do that uh, pragmatically, right? To To kind of look at data that hasn't been skewed politically. And um, I'm just a numbers guy. And I, 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 you know, 
when they say, oh, well, follow the science, follow the science. Well, there's real science. And then there's the politicians that say what science is. You kind of got to ignore the the news and the politicians because they're saying things for their own purposes and their own reasons. But when you dig right down into it, there is numbers and data that mean something. And that, that's what I find interesting. So what was it because of the, the pandemic and the downtime that you just wanted to start diving into that? Like, what was your your, your first initial reason for wanting to dive into that? Well, I, too, am a numbers guy and. You know, when when the COVID stats first came out, and unfortunately, in, in a lot of ways, things haven't changed much uh, since then, you know, going back to, to March 2020, um, it was just, you know, kind of daily numbers, okay? Oh, there's 10,000 cases today, 20,000 cases today, 15,000 cases today, and it was always, this is how many cases there are today, and that doesn't tell you much of a story. Right. What's the pattern? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? <clears throat> if they're getting better, how quickly are they getting better? If they're getting worse, how quickly are they getting worse? Is this the worst of all time? Is it just the worst of this year? How does this compare to three months ago, six months ago, things like, like that? And for the government, what the government releases and what the media picks up on, I just found the analysis to be very lacking. Like, mm. here's today's numbers, and that's all we're going to give you. I, I like to dig into the numbers and, and try to find trends and try to find patterns uh, and, and things like that. So that led me to, you know, building what's become a massive hundred and some column spreadsheet of data that I gather daily from... Uh, I think 10 to 12 sources, different sources to try to put together a picture of where we are, where we've been, where we're going, how things compare and, and so forth. And, um, you know, I found like-minded people like Mark who want the, uh, you know, just want the unbiased, non-politicized uh, truth to be shared right. so that, you know, you don't panic when you don't need to be when you don't need to panic and you are careful when you do need to be careful. So, you know, I ended up, um, you know, initially posting stuff like that on Facebook. It got too crazy. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, so <laughs> I, just said, hey, sometimes, you though. I like when you, say, when you say, oh, I'm so awesome. I have the right staff. So you'd actually call these people over there getting their incorrect numbers out. And just, people would just throw a fit. <laughs> that I enjoyed. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of reeled it back in and just did it old school via email. And um, it was nice because I got to connect with, you know, intelligent um, uh, people who just wanted uh, to exchange information, communicate in ways that were unbiased and really get beyond what we were hearing in the media and from the government. Yeah, I'd like to get on that uh, email list uh, with you to to talk about some stuff. Now, how do you like there, when when the CDC throws a wrinkle in things? Like I remember at one point in time, it took them a long time to come out to say that they put a little footnote in their numbers that said only six percent of the people dying from COVID are actually dying with only COVID. All mm -hmm. the other, the ninety four percent of those are dying 
that we're saying are dying from COVID have other un underlying health conditions. And I'm like, well, that's a very important thing to know who this is affecting, because if, if, if it's someone who has, let's say like I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. So if this is affecting people who had cancer, like a certain type of cancer, you know what I mean? And it's really affecting those people. I want to know about that. I don't want to know that just somebody died from with, with COVID dying with COVID and dying from COVID are two completely different things. So how do you separate yes. that? Well, the thing is, that's where a lot, a lot of analysis and reading is required. And I know the exact study that you're referring to. And, you know, again, the reason I did what I did is because of how the government botched communication and continues to botch communication about COVID. In that particular instance, when that study came out, people all people saw, you know, kind of like the Newsmax take on it, like only 6% are, are dying strictly of COVID. Well, that that's kind of misleading if you just look at that. Right. When you dig in and read through all the tables and all the text, which I guarantee you 99.9999% of people did not do before starting sharing that information on Facebook, you see a lot of information that, that makes sense. So when they say only 6% of people uh, died strictly from COVID, what that meant was that there was, if, if, if you look at a death certificate, the only thing listed was COVID. Now, right. if you look at a death certificate, it says cause of death, contributing factor number one, contributing factor number two, contributing factor number three. When you actually look at the tables, the other things listed on the death certificate besides COVID were things like pneumonia, which COVID causes, things like um, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which COVID causes, um, things like uh, lung failure, which COVID causes. And then you start saying, okay, well, let's take a look at what are the top things. And then you're saying, oh, you know, 50, you know, 54% of people died with COVID plus pneumonia. Okay. Well, if COVID caused pneumonia, then it's not 6% of those deaths caused by COVID. You add 6% to the 54%. And then you say, oh, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is caused by COVID. And that's 33%. So you add the 33% to the 6% and then the 54%. And then you add all those other things which are caused by COVID. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, 99% of these are like actual COVID deaths. But that you know, that politicized headline, only 6% of COVID deaths are actually caused by COVID. No, it's not right. right. Most, think, the vast majority of those were. It's unusual to see a, a death certificate with no contributing factors, only COVID. It almost makes me feel like those 6% that only said COVID were like, you know, uh, incomplete. Right. Because like, for example, when my, when my mom passed away, she passed away from a heart attack, but it said cause of death, myocardial infarction, contributing factor, hyperlipidemia, which is high, uh, high uh, cholesterol, something else. So it listed all these things and it didn't mean that the heart attack wasn't, wasn't what killed her. Right. And so you, you couldn't, you couldn't rule out the, the fact that the heart attack 
was her cause of death just because it listed high cholesterol. So that's that's where things like the that how media politicized media distorted things just drove me bananas right. because and I think that's why you have to take the media and 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 politics out of it because again you're not doing anybody a, a good service now the, you can look at both sides of that you can say if i get covid and i'm a very healthy person i don't have any other health conditions uh, i have a very small i have a six percent chance of dying which means i've got a 94 percent chance of living however if i do have some of these other symptoms I want to know what that 94, what the other underlying conditions were that caused, because like you said, yeah, it's, these people could have very well died without COVID, but they, but COVID could have very well exasperated whatever other illness they had to, to, to cause them to die. So, but I, I like, that's the kind of data that I'm, I'm interested in because, you know, we all know Robbie Myers, uh, who, who, but the, the, uh, overall message is that he died from COVID. He, he didn't just die from COVID. He had just gotten over pneumonia. It went the other way with him. He had pneumonia first and then got COVID and just his lungs were not healthy enough to, uh, to get him through that point. Right. Well, again, you know, how, what percentage of people that after they get pneumonia, get COVID are, are recovering from it. That, that's important data to know, you know what I mean? Because do, <laughs> what, what other kind of therapies do I need to be on? Or what do I need to alert my, do I need to alert my family? Do I need to get my final will ready if I get COVID after I just got done? And I know another guy who had pneumonia twice. He had double pneumonia and then got COVID, but he survived. Hmm. Um, they're like, what's the, I like, I, that blows my mind. Like, why are some people, because it has to do with probably other health conditions. It has to, or their weight or their obesity or their, their diet or something like that. So like I said, yeah, you got to strip away all of the, the, the media and the politics from things. And that's the data that I'm interested in, right? The, the why, why is this person dying and this person not? I don't care about the 6% are dying from COVID. I care about, um, or only with COVID. I care about, okay, that's good. That to me tells me if I'm relatively healthy and I don't have any other health conditions, I get a very small percentage chance of dying from this, this thing. But what I'm interested in is the 94%. Why are that, those people dying with COVID? And is COVID the primary factor or is it the last factor in, in the thing? So this is something we could talk to about for the next half hour. But I, like I said, this is something I, I would definitely be interested in getting more information from you on. And we'll either, you know, up, upset people who are watching this or bore people from watching this because we're talking <laughs> about data, you know, and stuff like that. But it's just, I just found it interesting. And I know that's something that you've been doing. And I hope that you, you're still doing that right to this day. Well, I'm not uh, doing the emails anymore, but I am continually, um, uh, recording the daily data in my spreadsheet from, you know, my 10 or 12 uh, different sources. And occasionally I do when, when something is uh, new and groundbreaking, um, you know, I do send it out. For example, um, when the Delta wave, before the Delta wave started, I started seeing some things uh, in the data that suggested uh, we were ramping up again. So, you know, 10 days before the media even said, oh, a new wave has become, I sent out an email to the people on my list and said, hey, this, I'm noticing some things in the data. Don't be surprised if this happens. And that way, you know, if people want to be more careful 
um, they have the option to to do that and uh, and not have to wait 10 days before it's already like, you know, holy crap, we have 100,000 cases in, in the country. And by the way, you probably already caught it because you weren't careful. And, uh, you know, I just I just like like I said, everyone can choose to protect themselves or not protect themselves in the way um, that they are free to do. Um, I just think that, you know, we should be armed with the data to make the decision on how to do things differently if we want to do things differently. And that's that's really the role I want to play. You know, um, there there aren't many great statistical analysts in the 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 media that kind of jump on things before it's too late. So um, for those that are interested, that's a gap I try to fill. No, and any, anybody that's out there in the media, I'm sorry, I, I not to be too jaded by the whole thing. I think you've 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 you're you've got a bias one way or the other, uh, or a political motive or something. It's very. Uh, I guess there there are still probably a few out there that are legit. You know, just giving it to you like it is because I mean, there's just other things that irk me that we. You know, I'm not. I don't want to go on talk about like you know whether like the vaccine and the testing. Like because they say, well, we're going to send out all these testing kits. The testing kits don't do anything but other than tell you if you have COVID right now. If that, if I, when I take a COVID test and it says negative and I go five seconds later and I'm encountering somebody that has COVID and they breathe on me or cough on me, now I could be infected. <laughs> so what good did that test do? That test told me right then and there that I'm good, but it's, you know, it's not like taking a, uh, you know, a, an STD test that tells me, okay, well, I don't have gonorrhea, so I'm good to go out and not have sex with anybody or whatever. You know, I'm just saying it's 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 good for that moment and that moment only. So, you know, I don't know. Well, like, I think if you're feeling sick, I guess you got to test there. You no, don't no, like I'm talking about it, like but. like some airplanes. They they want you to test 72 hours before you get on board. Well, what good is that doing? They're just well, trying to is- reduce the. Redu- I would just assume that they're trying their best to reduce the risk even though there's no way to completely 72 hours completely. doesn't tell you anything like i said you could get covid five seconds after you take the test 72 well, hours and nothing well they might eliminate one or two people from the flight <laughs> but, you know Maybe. hey you know how this thing when charts out maybe this many people get it that pass this many people i mean there's just there's no 100 percent foolproof yeah. way you know it's just a way of trying to do just a little bit to maybe change something. Maybe you're not, you know, people who are, are just like I have my my mom's boyfriend whose sister just passed away from COVID a couple of days ago. Um, you know, she, they think she got it from the hospital. So, but they don't know that for sure. But she was in a surgery earlier in a week before she, before she ended up starting to feel sick and out. And I guess, look, you're just trying to, to me, they're trying – People are trying to reduce their liability. Does it reduce it a lot? Probably. Who knows? But I guess if you could save one or two people here and there, it ends up being a lot or you reduce your chances of a hospital now being sued because somebody there working gave it to somebody. And there's there's no way to eliminate, I would think, anything 100 percent. 
we don't talk about enough about natural immunity in this country either like they do in other countries like my daughter my, my daughter's doctor my daughter flew out to seattle to visit her boyfriend and got covid while she was out there before she came home so she got stuck out there i'm sure that she was disappointed about that spending more time with him but um <laughs> so the um but the problem is i mean or the thing is that her doctor said that she because she's vaccinated and because she's had covid she's like doubly protected you know what i mean but there's we, we don't talk enough about stuff like that in this country because that becomes too political for whatever reason anyways let's just end it there because this is like so I, i'm sure a lot of people have tuned out by now anyway but uh anyways chip hey i really want to thank you for for coming on is there anything you want to plug right now any upcoming projects or plug any social media that you want people to go to we'll put the your social media up there if you want sure um you know we we have a lot of exciting new music uh planned for uh Chip and the Charge Ups for 2022. So anyone that wants to uh, hear that first uh, can check us out on social media. Um, it's at uh, at the Charge Ups on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, uh, you could search us up on YouTube. We have a, a separate handle for that. But uh, yeah, we'd love to um, uh, we'd love to connect with people. Have people um, you know be hear our music before it comes out we're really excited about what's what's coming up this year another good jumping off point is our website thechargeups.com there's links to all of our social media from there so uh you can hit a, hit us everywhere uh from one point we'll put all that up for people and uh you know hope you and your family have a wonderful safe and happy holiday season and uh hope you're looking forward to a great 2022 ahead hopefully some of this other crap starts going away so the people especially in the music industry can start uh you know it, it, getting things back to building their base and doing things normally uh, 2021 has been a, a good building year from that but hopefully 22 just kind of takes off for everybody so anyways uh thanks again for for joining us uh i am michael cadry and for the big m over there we will see you in 2022 brainiacs have a happy healthy and happy new year Later.